So how much control do you have over your online reputation? Well, it turns out quite a bit, and today's guest is going to walk us through the strategies and thinking in order to take command of your online reputation and manage it effectively. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 185. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help leaders improve their communication, strategy, coaching, productivity, and personal mastery. And strategy is going to be our focus today, as well as communication, and specifically taking a look at social media and the strategy we're using around social media and really building and managing and protecting our online reputations. And I am really thrilled to have a guest with me today who was first introduced to me by one of our audience members uh, who is really a leader in the healthcare world on how to do this effectively. And uh, even though if you're not in healthcare, I know that the things that he's going to talk about today are going to be of real value to you. If you have done any thinking at all, on establishing your online reputation. And if you haven't done any thinking on it, then even more so the reason to be listening today. And my guest is Dr. Kevin Poe. Kevin is a practicing board-certified internal medicine physician, a national media commentator, and he's co-author of the book, Establishing, Managing, and Protecting Your Online Reputation, a social media guide for physicians and medical practices. And he's also an acclaimed keynote speaker He's the founder and editor of KevinMD.com, where he conceives and executes digital strategy and directs technology infrastructure. Kevin, I'm so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be on. Well, I, I know that um, a lot of people, when they, when they hear the word social media, they still are looking at this sometimes as a passing fad. What advice do you have for people who are out there, who are in prof professionals, businesses, folks in the medical community, who who still aren't convinced that this isn't a passing fad? Well, I think a lot of the skepticism when it comes to social media is that a lot of the stories that you hear about it in mainstream media, it's always from a perceptive perspective of risk. Uh, I come from the medical field and I hear about social media a lot about doctors and nurses getting into trouble because they're posting inappropriate content on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, from a more broader perspective, you always hear about people getting in trouble because of the wrong thing that they're saying on Twitter. So a lot of professionals that I talk to, they are, they are a little bit uh, skeptical when it comes to social media. So what I try to do with my own social media presence, and which includes my blog, my, my Twitter, and, and Facebook platforms, is that I try to present social media from a perspective of opportunity. And I think these tools are, are tremendously powerful because whereas before, in order to get published, in order to get read, you would have to, to, to write a newspaper article and, and be accepted uh, by a magazine publication, for instance. Today, it's uh, getting published and getting people to read your thoughts and read your articles is no more than a click of a button. And because it's so easy to to publish content on the web, it also is a great way to, to, uh, to create content that's associated with your name. I'm an expert in online reputation, and 
I think social media is, is a tremendous tool that everyone has to create that content on the web that's associated with your name. So if someone uh, wants to look you up or if someone wants to Google you, if you have a strong social media presence, you are many steps ahead of your competition in defining yourself uh, online. You know, what you just said there is is so key. I mean, I just think about how most of us handle finding a service provider these days, whether they be medical or a business or, or a service for our homes or otherwise. A lot of times, the first thing we do is we go to Google and we type in something, you know, <laughs> uh, we type in what we're looking for. And often the first few things that come up, that's where we begin looking and begin answering those questions. Absolutely. And if you're a business um, or uh, if you're associated with a business, the first thing that people are going to do is, is Google you online. And if you don't have that online presence, someone else is going to define you instead. Uh, as a physician, um, we're, we're starting to see a lot of these uh, physician rating sites and a lot of patients, when they come to my office, they've already Googled me online. And if I don't have an online presence, what's going to happen is they're going to find me from, from a Yelp, from a RateMDs, from a, a lot of these, these rating sites. Mm. And these rating sites exist in almost every industry. So if you, don't, if you aren't proactive in, in, in establishing your online reputation, if you aren't proactive to manage the content that's associated with your name, these other sites, such as rating sites, they're going to, they're going to create content about you. And sometimes you may not like what they, what they have to say. So I think it's important to be in complete control uh, on, on how you're represented on web. Well, and it's interesting you say that because I'm pretty sure it was on your blog that I read. I don't know if it was you that wrote it, Kevin, or one of your guest uh, bloggers, but about how rating sites aren't necessarily the best resource as far as information about physicians. And I'm, I'm sure this is true for any profession. It's one data point, but that, you know, if you're just, if you're just relying on rating sites to define your brand for you and who you are, then you're really not being very proactive on how you're reaching people online. Yeah, but you, you put it in a great way. I think a rating site is just one da uh, data point, especially when you're looking for a healthcare provider. I think if you look up a healthcare provider and you see a rating site and you have uniformly bad reviews, you know, that may be a red flag. But if patients are choosing a doctor ba solely based on what they read on an online rating site, I think uh, they can be misguided. And, and that goes for uh, other industries as well. Well, I want to I want to ask you more about ratings and reviews because I, I that is something that does come up for a lot of people in a lot of industries. But before we even get to that, um, you highlight three steps in just creating your online identity of of having a presence online, and you look at in the book curate, connect, and make a difference. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about those three and how to think about that strategically when creating an online identity. Sure. So. This goes back to what I said before about we need to present social media from a more positive perspective. And when I talk to uh, other physicians, they're even more skeptical than the general population when it comes to social media. So they need to be convinced even more. So I try to present social media, again, from a perspective of opportunity. I try to answer their question, what's in it for me? And um, when I use social media, I think social media is a fantastic way to educate and it doesn't matter what your industry is. It doesn't matter what your niche is. Uh, you are going to be the expert in that niche. Uh, for me, I'm a physician. Obviously, I talk a lot about healthcare, and there's a lot of bad information out there. 
Yet, seven out of ten internet users they use the web to look up uh, their own diagnoses. They they Google their symptoms, and what comes up on a Google search isn't necessarily the most reliable information. So, one of the ways that I use social media, whether it's through my blog or on Twitter or Facebook, is that I try to curate that content. I try to present reliable news stories. I try to present other physician opinions and guide people who follow me to the most reliable information because what they find on a Google search um, isn't necessarily the most reliable and in some cases can even be dangerous. And over the years, social media has been a, 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 a tremendous way to educate the public and try to help them find better information. And can I just say that you're really good at that too. Um, I've, you know, when I have a guest that's going to come on the show, I usually try to start following them on social media in advance if I haven't already. And you and I scheduled this a couple months ago, so I've been following you on Twitter. And you are so consistent on what you post. It's valuable stuff. And in fact, I've had several times where I've seen things you've posted in the last two months. And I've passed along an article to a family member or a friend who I know happens to be dealing with a, a medical situation or something you've mentioned. And the, I mean, the utility is really there to be helpful. So, so thank you, by the way. Um, how do you find it all? Like, what do you, what do you do to be able to um, really curate all that information and, and to be able to get it out on a regular basis? Uh, because I, I think that's something that people would be really interested in. Well, I do a lot of reading and um, I think that now we have so many sources of information. It's not just going to a newspaper, it's going on various social media platforms. Um, that goes to another application of social media is simply to learn. On Twitter, um, I do post a lot of things from my blog and I try to spread content I think is useful, interesting information. But another major application on, on Twitter, for instance, is simply for me to listen and learn. Uh, I have a, a Twitter list um, that I use of about 40 uh, healthcare professionals. They're not just physicians, but they're also policy experts, patients, and social media leaders. And this is a list that I follow dozens of times a day. And it's one of the best sources to find interesting, interesting health articles and interesting uh, articles that, that describe the healthcare social media intersection. And, and using social media to follow experts in your industry, I mm. think, is a tremendous way to learn. So, um, again, not only do I use my social media platform to share information, I use it to listen to information from other experts as well. And it's that real two-way communication that, that really is uh, you know, empowering to me and uh, also is helpful to others who, who, who follow me online as well. I love it. And I'll definitely second that strategy too. I use Twitter almost the same way. And I find that it's really helpful when you follow some individuals who are experts and and sharing great content. I mean, you really do learn a lot. And Twitter's really powerful for doing that. Um, you know, we talked a minute ago about reviews. And I, I wanted to come back to that because that is something that for a lot of businesses and organizations, especially small to medium-sized businesses, they really do, they really do you know, notice if if a review is posted, you know, whether it's on Yelp or whether it's on one of the review sites or it's just feedback they get on their own platform. Uh, is that something that we should be real intentional about it? And are there some good strategies for influencing how people review you online? Or are there things that we should avoid when we're thinking about that, whether it's our site or whether it's, whether it's uh, one of the review sites? Sure. Well, I'm going to speak uh, just with my own personal experience in, in healthcare. 
uh, whenever I talk to uh, other doctors and, and healthcare providers about establishing their online reputation, I always say there are two ways to do so. And the first way is with these review and rating sites. Because whether you want uh, an online presence or not, what these sites will do, and it's not just in healthcare, it's in pretty much any industry, what these sites will do is create profile pages of your business. And a lot of them will allow the public to rate and review you online. So I think it's important to uh, go to uh, one of these major sites. In healthcare, there's a site called HealthGrades, um, also Yelp. Yelp is ubiquitous not only in healthcare but in restaurants and, and hotels as well. But mm -hmm. it's important to uh, go on with these sites. And there's invariably ways for you to claim your profile so you can make sure the information that's on it uh, is, is correct because a lot of times uh, simple uh, contact information uh, your address, your phone number that these sites uh, scrape from the web can be inaccurate and you don't want your customers or clients or patients to uh, go to the wrong site. So I think it's important to be cognizant of these sites and, uh, and, 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 cre and claim profiles, create, uh, create um, your content and make sure that information is accurate. Sometimes um, businesses and, and other doctors I talk to, they, they may not like the content um, that appears on these sites if uh, you know patients rate them and and uh, the ratings are universally negative, they may not like that information. So another strategy I typically recommend is to marginalize these sites and that's uh, with that social media strategy. Because Google preferentially ranks social media platforms like LinkedIn, for instance, high on Google searches. So if you have a strong online presence, it can push rating sites down on a search page, even to the second page results, which uh, fewer people see. And by creating that type of proactive online presence with social media, you can marginalize rating sites and their visibility if you don't like what they, what they have to say about you. Oh, interesting. So if you're proactive about doing that and establishing a platform on the main social media platforms, that it's not that the review sites go away, the information's there, but it's just that people aren't as likely to find those because you're in control of the message and your brand and what people are saying about you, and you're not just leaving it to a third party. That's exactly correct. Um, so if people Google my name, um, my blog at kevinmd.com comes up, but so my other platforms on, on LinkedIn, on, on Facebook, and on Twitter, and um, they, they show up above uh, physician rating sites like health grades or vitals. So that social media strategy, I think, is tremendously powerful. And uh, the best thing of all is that these tools uh, are free. They don't cost uh, anything to use. Um, it, I think it does take a little bit of time to be familiar with these platforms. But just something as simple as creating a profile on LinkedIn, which is no more than a digital translation or resume, I think that's a great start not only for those of us in healthcare, but for anyone in any industry um, to get started and dip your toes into the social media waters. I love it. So uh, is as far as what people are saying about you online or having conversations, um, I, I'm curious what you do. I mean, you have a really... You have a really large platform. Um, by the way, if for, for folks who may not appreciate this, I mean, when you look up medicine and social media, <laughs> Kevin is the guy. I mean, you are you are the expert on this. And so you have a really large platform. Um, do you monitor what people are saying about you online on the review sites and conversations people are having in any sort of strategic way? Or do you focus on saying, hey, I'm going to put out 
the best content. I'm going to define my brand and I'm not going to worry as much about what the rating review sites say or the third party sites say. No, I do monitor uh, what people say about me online, and as a physician, I think it's 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 definitely important because more patients than ever aren't are not just googling their diagnosis and treatment options; they're also googling their doctors as well. I think there was a, a study from uh, Pew Internet who said that almost half of patients they Google their doctors before stepping into the exam room. So I think it's important to uh, know what people are saying about me online. So. The tools I typically use are, are fairly basic. Uh, I, I just simply Google my name and Google the name I practice once a week. Um, I set up what's called a Google alert. You go to uh, google.com slash alerts and that can monitor, that can automate that process of Googling yourself. So whenever someone mentions you online or on a social network, you can get notified automatically via email. So I think that's a, that's a simple tool that everyone really should be using. When it comes to monitoring what people say about me on Twitter, uh, I use a platform called Hootsuite, which allows me to monitor not only people and thought leaders that I follow, but it also uh, can monitor people who, who mention and talk about me so I can uh, get a good sense of uh, if there's anything, um, if people want to reach me or if there's any conversation about me, I'll, I'll, I'll know about that pretty much instantaneously. Um, there are certainly many other tools available out there. Uh, there's a great tool called Topsy, T-O-P-S-Y. Um, again, it monitors conversations about you on Twitter and other social platforms. But if I were to just start with just one, it would simply would be setting up a Google alert and hooking it up with your email so you can get notified immediately if your name is mentioned online. I'll second that recommendation. I've had a Google alert for a while and I I'm fortunate I have a more complicated last name. So I, I do get an email if someone mentions me everywhere online. And it is, it's really neat to be able to, to monitor that and see what people are saying. So, and that's, that's an easy thing, regardless of who you are. Even if you don't have, you're not setting up an online platform. If you want to know if someone mentions you online, that's a, that's a great way to do it. Absolutely. I think, uh, and, it, and it's easy to do. And I've been doing this for the last uh, five, 10 years. And there have been uh, newspaper stories and, and sometimes even television stories where my name is mentioned, yet I had no idea beforehand. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's interesting because you've, I mean, you've really made a successful transition from not just social media, but also into mainstream media. Um, now, I, I don't think that that's probably uh, you know, necessary or the goal that every professional has. Um, but I'm, but I'm wondering, you know, with your track record and having seen all aspects of doing this, what do you see as a practical goal for most professionals if they're aiming to set up their online reputation? What's a good starting point that people should be shooting for? Well, it depends on their comfort level. There are people who are terrified of being online. Um, so I always say just start with LinkedIn. Um, I, I like LinkedIn a lot. Uh, it's a professional social networking site. And a LinkedIn profile, as I mentioned before, is simply a digital translation of, of one's resume. And creating a LinkedIn profile is, probably takes like an hour or two. And they generally get ranked high on Google searches for your name. But I think uh, before they, they step any further... People should ask themselves, what are their goals for social media? Because there are so many tools that fit so many goals. So speaking as a physician, uh, I always talk to doctors, you know, is your goal educating patients? Is your goal advocating for a cause? Is your goal debating healthcare reform? And then as you gradually become more comfortable with being visible online, you could incrementally adopt those social media platforms that fit those goals. So 
if a doctor is interested simply in listening to what others have to say, then I say just go on Twitter and follow thought leaders and, and listen and, and get comfortable that way. If you want to share your own articles, then you can absolutely do that on Twitter or Facebook. But if you want to create that content and really be an influential thought leader, then you may want to start a blog or you want to create a YouTube channel and create videos. Uh, you mentioned about connecting with mainstream media, and I think that's definitely one of the more positive aspects of being in, in social media. As a, as a physician and someone in healthcare, uh, healthcare is, is, is changing uh, as we speak. Uh, healthcare reform is one of the most polarizing and contentious topics, and I happen to think that physicians need a greater voice when it comes to healthcare policy because the changes that's coming up along the pike, it's going to affect not just doctors but patients as well, and sometimes these decisions aren't necessarily made by those who practice medicine. So one of the ways I use my own social media platform is to share the voices of, of real-life doctors who actually practice and, and tell the, the, those who are making policy decisions, hey, this is what it's like to practice medicine. And fortunately, I've had some mainstream media attention uh, in the form of, of newspaper editors or television editors who's reached out to me and, and some of my other physician authors to, to um, offer them a bigger stage of, of a mainstream media platform, like an, like an op-ed on in USA Today or or an appearance on CNN and you know we've made that jump to mainstream media where we can speak um, not you know jump from a, a social media platform to a mainstream media platform so our voices could be heard by more people you mentioned you're five or ten years into this um, you've got national attention for what you're doing how did you get started like what was, did you anticipate that all this was going to happen when you started doing this and what was the driving factor for you for getting online and starting to build the platform did it did you have the plan for getting all the way there or did this just kind of naturally happen as you went along no there was absolutely no plan uh, i started <laughs> uh, my blog back in in 2004 and social media uh, was was really in its infancy and uh, one thing that uh I, I like to say about healthcare is that whatever is trend-setting in other industries, it's, it's even further behind in healthcare. Healthcare is about five years behind anything else. So when you you could just imagine that social media and healthcare, that intersection was really in its infancy back in 2004. And um, it started when um, I wrote an article about a, a drug recall. Um, there was a medicine called Vioxx, which is an arthritis-type medicine that a lot of people were on, and it got recalled. And I wrote a blog post on that issue and offered some suggestions that people can ask their own doctors about. And after I wrote that article on my blog, a few days afterwards, I walked into the exam room and, and the patient, the first thing she said to me was, thank you, Dr. Poe. I, I read your blog post this morning and I was comforted by what you had to say. And now I have other options for that drug that was recalled. Oh, wow. And that really was the first moment of enlightenment where I realized that, hey, I could be heard um, by more patients uh, outside of the exam room. And, and uh, I think that was a turning point where I can not only speak one-to-one -to, -one to patients, but one-to-many uh, patients uh, from this the social media platform. And over the past 10, 12 years, social media has certainly evolved. It's uh, become a part of every industry now. And not only do I have my blog, we also have 
dozens of dozens of social media platforms on, on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, there are so many different ways to connect with others. And in the realm of healthcare, I think it's been tremendously inspiring and powerful, not only to educate patients, but also listen to what others have to say, listen to what patients have to say from their perspective. And it's really that two-way communication that, um, that where I've not only learned myself, but hopefully I've, I've shared some of my knowledge as well. Well, it's really impressive what you've done. And I think the thing that's also really impressive is it's not just about you. When you go to, when you go to Kevin's website, um, and I encourage you to do this and check it out, is you have so many physicians and folks in the healthcare industry who are writing articles on your site, you're sharing information of others, you're giving other people a platform. I just think it's really cool that you've done that and and have really evolved this into something that's 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 really fabulous and and have and have been a leader in helping people to understand this in a real practical way. So so thank you for for doing that and really providing a great example of how this can look and I really would encourage those particularly those who are in the medical uh, healthcare communities to check out Kevin's site. Um, and to check out the book because I know that it's something that'll really be of help to you in guiding how you're creating your online reputation and influencing what you're doing on social media. And the book, again, is Establishing, Managing, and Protecting Your Online Reputation, a Social Media Guide for Physicians and Medical Practices. And Dr. Kevin Poe is the author. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Dave. I want to thank Kevin for coming on the show and for sharing his expertise. If you're in healthcare, it's a no-brainer to check out this book and to get it on your bookshelf and learn more about the detailed strategy that Kevin lays out. But even if you're not in healthcare, I think it's worth a look just because he's really thought through the process of how a service provider or an organization establishes, manages, and protects their online reputation. And so many of us need to be thinking that way. It, and I just, I love the point that he has. And it's so true that if you are not defining your online management, your online profile and social media reputation, eventually others are going to define it for you. The right, the rating sites are pretty much in every industry now. They're gaining more popularity as, as every month and year goes by. And it is not too late. That's one of the things I hear sometimes from people is they say, ah, you know, it, it, well, well, those people started their podcast or their blog or their LinkedIn profile, you know, a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago, whatever. And uh, it is never too late for the world to hear your voice and to be connected to your brand. If you do a good job of being who you are and adding value and connecting with people in a genuine way, you will stand out and you will be someone that can be an influencer and a connector. Um, but here's the thing. Even if that's not a goal of yours, you can absolutely take steps to benefit from the social media infrastructure that's out there now. And uh, I, and I loved his advice of setting up a LinkedIn profile. I'd certainly recommend that. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the past episodes that we've done on how to uh, set up a LinkedIn profile. Uh, but you, you know, you could even set up if you're not comfortable having your name online. If you're one of the folks that Kevin talked about that you know is very fearful of having any information online, I know people who have set up a Twitter account and don't use their name and just use a, a pseudonym and never post anything on it. But what they do is what Kevin recommended: is they follow the experts in their industry and they watch what those people are posting. They watch, they read those articles. 
And that is one of the best ways to get the best information out there and the most current information. Uh, For those of you who read my weekly leadership guide, many of those articles each week, the links that I get are things I see initially on Twitter. And usually I'm not getting it from an organization. I'm following an individual who I trust and I know is going to be sharing really great information online. So if you do nothing else, I'd encourage you to look at that as an option. And if you do decide to reach out and start posting things, say hi to me on Twitter, say hi to Kevin. I know he'd like to hear from you too. Um, it's, it's just, there's so much out there that you can do, even if you want to keep yourself anonymous, that's going to really help you to continue to grow your career. So I really encourage you to, to do that as well. And one of the other things, uh, speaking of which online that people often wonder is, well, once I get online, what do I do? You know, what do I post and how do I interact with people? And it all comes back to just taking care of people well, just like you would in person. And so if you're looking for more resources on that, I'd certainly recommend that you check out some of Dale Carnegie's work. And you all know I'm affiliated with Dale Carnegie and the human relations principles on how to interact with people. Those principles are just as important online as they are offline and how you influence people effectively. And for those who are really looking for some strategies on that, uh, you may know that I already produce the Carnegie Coach podcast every day for the Dale Carnegie organization. So check that out at carnegiecoach.com, or you can search for it on the podcast app you're currently using or wherever you're listening to this show. And uh, speaking of which, uh, interacting online, I'd love your comments, questions, or feedback on this show or for upcoming Q&A shows, the best way to do that is to go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. The next Q&A show is coming in two episodes. That's going to be on episode 187. And the topic for that Q&A show is on coaching. So if you're thinking about things in relation to coaching, how to develop others, I'd really encourage you to check that out. And while you're online, please do join my weekly leadership guide that I mentioned a moment ago. The leadership guide is delivered to your inbox each Wednesday and includes my thoughts and recommendations on articles, podcasts, videos, and books that will support your development between the shows. It also includes an overview on the links for the weekly show notes. So a number of the things that Kevin mentioned here today, I've included on the show notes. Those come in the weekly leadership guide as well. So if you tend to listen on the road or while you're doing other things, like I almost always do when I'm listening to podcasts, it's a good way to get the follow-up information and the links later that I mention on every show. And when you join the weekly leadership guide, you'll get access to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others and brief summaries for me on the value of each of those books. So download that 11-page reader's guide, and there's also a nine-minute video that goes along with that, and it's all at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And when folks join the weekly leadership guide, I often get to know them and uh, I I like getting to build relationships with people online. And one of the folks that I've gotten to know really well over the last couple of years is Susie Farthing, and she is today's community member spotlight. So I'm going to turn it over to her to introduce herself. Hi, Dave and the Coaching for Leaders community. My name is Susie Farthing, and I'm checking in from Pensacola along Northwest Florida's beautiful Gulf Coast. I've been listening to the show since making Dave's acquaintance through a mutual friend a couple of years ago. I appreciate the show tremendously, as I am sure the vast majority of those listening do as well. As a nurse, 
consultant and soon-to-be educator, I consider the Coaching for Leaders show to be an important aspect of my personal and professional development. I've highly recommended this show, along with Dave's Carnegie Coach and Bonnie's Teaching in Higher Ed, to many of my nursing colleagues. Several are now regular listeners as well. Oh, and I can't forget about Bonnie. I love the shows that she is a part of. I learned so much from both of you guys. Thanks for all of the positivity and value that you add to my life. Oh, and community members, I would love to connect. You can find me on Twitter at Susie Farthing, and that Susie is S-U-Z-I-E. Thanks again, Dave and Bonnie. I appreciate all that you do. Please keep up the good work. We're listening. Susie, thank you for all your support of the show. And two things I want to say about Susie. One is she is just fabulous at being so supportive of this community. She's often posting things online, reviews on the show, passing along others, as she mentioned. Thank you, Susie, for doing that. And also, she's the person that first told me about Kevin Poe. So Susie, thank you for the recommendation for having Kevin on the show today. He was fabulous. And so I hope folks do connect with you online. And I've put a link to Susie's Twitter profile in the show notes too. Thank you, Susie. I hope you have a fabulous week. And thanks in advance if this conversation is helpful to you and you're able to pass it along to someone else that's trying to manage their online profile, because I know it will be helpful to them too. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Take care.